Yo way, this is Candace with Real Indigenous, and today I am interviewing Arrogan Star, the multi-talented Arrogan Star, uh, the author and illustrator of Super Indian, the new adventures of Super Indian. And uh, we're here at Indigipop X today at First Americans Museum. Arrogan, tell us a little bit about the new adventures of Super Indian and how you came up with the idea and your relationship with the characters when you first started and what is it like now? Mm, okay. This all started at a playwriting retreat and I really want to mention that for the people that think, oh, you must have been doing comics since, well, yes, I was doing comics since I was a kid. However, I think it's really key to be a storyteller in all of the arts. It doesn't matter what discipline, if you're a fine artist, you're a screenwriter, you are, you know, you make, um, you know, regalia, you're telling a story you are telling a story. So the story for me was that there weren't enough native superheroes and the ones that were out there were not produced by our people. These were all non-Indian people putting their spin on who they thought we might be if we had superpowers. And of course, Indians know better. <laughs> we know better about how we're going to be. And, you know, a lot of these characters were, you know, these kind of tropes, these shaman, these super trackers, these, you know, I'm white, but I'm more Indian than you will ever be. You know, and I was like, so tired of that. And I said, that's not, if I had superpowers, I would, you know, make the world laugh or I would do something, you know, that would engage community and again, continue to tell stories. So taking that idea of like, okay, what if there was a native superhero? What would he be like in my mind? And I was like, of course he lives on the res or close adjacent to, and he has a sidekick and a talking dog and a res rocket. And that's kind of how it started at the little playwriting retreat that had nothing to do with comics or superheroes. It was just, we were just, you know, shooting ideas and laughing and having fun. And that's, I think that's the best place for a project to develop from humor and stories. Well, that much is evident in all the works that, that I've read and that, that I've been exposed to over the years. Uh, one of my favorite uh, pieces that you did, and it was a play, it was Round Dance. And something I super admire about your work is you really center Native joy and you center strong native women and something that really resonates with me personally is you center strong oklahoma native women even though you have obviously this relationship you know of growing up in california and coming back and forth to oklahoma this is where your family's from this is where your your land is and um yeah i want to talk about how because it's it's so easy to kind of slip into uh talking about our trauma but I love, um, yeah, we need those stories too, but we also very badly need that balance of centering native joy. And um, I'm hoping you'll talk about maybe some of your favorite characters of your strong native women characters. And how do you find, how do you find them? I find them from my own family and from my acquaintances and my mentors and the people that I have encountered, you know, working as a musician and touring around. There are a lot of women that are pioneers in radio and kind of the things like what you're doing with this podcast. I mean, like Susan Brain. I don't know if you ever came across her, but she was a woman who back in the late 80s and 90s was out 
crisscrossing the country and starting native radio stations in Alaska and in New Mexico and finally um, being a producer at Native America Calling. And she was so forceful, dynamic, but at the same time, she didn't take, you know, any baloney. And she would just tell you straight what the heck, what she would give you the tea. And I like that. And people loved her for that. And she was a leader. Um, she has retired at this point. She's still around. But um, Susan inspired me to think that, you know, the story they, sh- they have of Native women inevitably is some kind of a tragic Pocahontas kind of woman. You know, oh, the poor maiden. It's like, uh-uh, no. None of my people were like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think about my mother. I think about my sister. I think about my, my aunties, my grandma. They were not women that needed, help me, help me. That No. In fact, they were the ones, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's get it done and do it timely, and then we can go have fun. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah, that is just something I'm, I love about your your characters whether they're whether they're inked or whether they're on stage or whether you're playing them (laughs) there's a power behind them obviously you know they're they're powerful but there's so much love you know but I love how but they also know how to tell you when you're doing wrong you know and how to do that and there's like this gentle correction but there's also a firm but gentleness and and I I love that you bring that to your characters I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your new your new piece that's coming out tell us a little bit about that and uh correct me you ink and illustrate and color and write the scripts for these as well yes yes super indian of course started as audio theater play and developed by native voices at the autry first for a radio or actually an audio theater festival in west plains missouri and then it went to the big stage in in la as a one-hour special And after those were produced, I was like, I love these characters, love this universe. I wrote all these scripts, but we didn't get to produce them all. And I was like, oh, (laughs) and then I said, after I dried my tears, look, I draw, I draw comics. I've been drawing comics. This is a comic character. So I put on my artist hat and really just went to work kind of like not trying to master but at least mimic the techniques of like a Neil Adams or Chris Claremont these kind of guys that did X-Men and Batman and all of Spider-Man I mean all of those artists that really thrilled me when I was a kid and I said but they have a certain style and I thought to myself now if Super Indian was a comic book I would love that somebody might be you know, binning, you know, in an old comic book shop, just going through all the old issues and pulls one out like from the 80s. Just just imagine, go with me. And this book was like, what? Super Indian? And it looked like it might have been produced in the 80s, except it has, you know, native contemporary storylines. And I thought, yeah, if it looked like that, if it was up to that level of artistry and writing and storytelling and then produced in that way with our humor, I thought, man, that's a slam I would buy that. Oh, heck yeah. So it took a while to get up to speed. I mean, the, the Super Indian Radio Show is 2007. And I did not publish the first web comic, and I did not print a book first, never print a book first. Um, web comic, 2011. 
it took that long. But what I was doing in the meantime was, of course, practicing. First, I was like pen and paper and old school and doing inks with the quills and the brushes and all that. And as I started to go to like San Diego Comic-Con seriously and going to like the author and artist panels, oh, girl, oh, that's where I learned. And then I found out they, there were several artists that I love, Brian Boland in particular, who did um, Camelot 3000. He said, hey, I used to do it the old school way with pen and paper and all that kind of stuff, but I've switched to digital, like 100%. I was like, what? And so I, I found out more about digital inking digital um, coloring and then how to do lettering and all with the um, Photoshop Illustrator InDesign programs and these are things kids you can get these they're you know they're they're a little pricey but there are student editions and and like the light versions of these programs that you can use so Super Indian started that way webcomic there were enough comics then to publish the first graphic novel that came out in 20, uh, 2012 and then another one came out in 2014 so that was volume two still working on volume three and then we had a reboot of the audio theater series the new adventures again from Native Voices at the Autry um, in 2021 thanks to the pandemic so, yeah, it, it, it has evolved. But what I found from, you know, first thinking of these characters and then, you know, revisiting them now is like, A, they're old friends. And they continue to tell contemporary stories based in community and, you know, with things that are happening now, with appropriation, with pretend Indians and stuff like that. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that. And yes, and then the pre previous episodes, you know, yeah, we talked about blood quantum. We talked about, you know, how are we transitioning from, you know, traditions to current times? You know, what, what would you do with your superpower? Think about it. You know, would you, would you like, okay, let me make a uh, our, our communities the way they used to be let's live off the land which is a a way to go or do we go like wakanda and it's all super techno and we're all like that i'm kind of like leaning that way but <laughs> <laughs> me too yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> oh my gosh yes. Yes. yes so that's where i'm going with these characters and, and again i love that they can stay young <laughs> and i can uh, just keep drawing them and adding you know different elements like in volume three we're going to meet a scientist who is like got like a hip professor x wheelchair he's wheelchair bound and i thought there's a segment of our community we never see and I'm, ah, uh, you know, and I'm going to get to the LGBTQ. I'm going to get to our drag community. You know, there's a lot of stories I need to tell within Super Indian that, that you know, people that we know that are our brothers and sisters, aunties, uncles, maybe even our mom and dad that never get told. Right on, right on. I feel you there. I mean, uh, and I feel like the world of Super Indian is like, it can be so much more, it can be expanded. And that's what I love about it is that you, I can, I can see that like expanding even further to include these, to include those characters and our, and our, and those, and our, you know, our relatives and that, you know, that, that deal with those things. My goodness. Yes. The marginalized within the marginalized, you know? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, that is so exciting. <laughs> yes. And I'm just thrilled to be part of this kind of genre. And I'm glad that I'm not alone anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it oh. was just a few of us before. Now look at this. 
in Digipop X. Oh my gosh, look at us. What I'd like to plug, um, the next round of fabulousness from my world is the book Contenders, uh, written by Tracy Sorrell, who's Cherokee. It is about the 1911 World Major League Baseball World Series, who featured as pitcher Charles Bender from White Earth Ojibwe who invented the slider, which is a pitch, a pitch that they still use today in the game, and catching for the New York Giants, John Myers, who was a Kawea Indian from Riverside, California. And kids, think back what I said, 1911. Oh, no, not 1955. Not, mm, no, way before Mr. Robinson in 1947. 1911, Native Americans were playing in Major League Baseball, and they were popular stars back for major league teams and we're telling that story because people don't know and the book is coming from uh coquilla books which is an imprint a penguin random house and will be released to the world at your barnes and noble and wherever you buy your books in uh on april 11th of 2023 well thank you so much miss arrogant star i'm i'm so happy that you're here and i'm excited we get to hang for the rest of the weekend i know this is just day one of This is Candace with Real Indigenous, and today I am sitting down with Michael Shiyashi. He is a very highly degreed artist, and he is a well-known comic book artist and illustrator, and he does many, many things. I want to talk a little bit about his work today. So, Michael... Uh, can you tell us about one of your first works that you ever did? And uh, you're also from the Caddo Nation. You are originally an Oklahoma artist, and then you moved out to Albuquerque. And can you tell us a little bit about your work and what drew you to that? Yeah, it, actually, it, it's kind of an interesting story. I got involved in comics as of late, and the, you know, like doing coloring and doing writing and that sort of thing, um, because of the book I wrote, Native Americans and Comic Books. So. Uh, I really didn't intend to be a part of the industry, but I'm so thankful that other people have kind of dragged me into it, including Lee Francis and Aragon Star and Roy and many others. Really went, hey, you know, the book's important. We like it. We good on you for writing it, but, you know, why don't you do comics with us, you know? And so we just started doing work together. And so it's been really great. Um, I get to do stuff that I love to see and do and be a part of and reminds me of my childhood and, and adventures and stuff like that. So... And it's really nice to finally be creative. So I have a MFA in 3D modeling for games and simulation. Um, and I don't, you know, it's one of those things you say that and everyone's like, you make a website for me, you know. Uh, so I don't get to show off and showcase my uh, talents or, you know, at least my skills as I was trained in, you know. So, um, but, you know, I, I got to do a one-off that we talked about in the panel here at the IPX. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, it was literally a one-pager in the comics for Ink Universe, and so it was great to have the finally put all the, the stages of development of comics that I've always known, but it's always interesting to do it all at once, right, and actually be a part of it. So that was great. Uh, then I got to do some uh, contracts with the Smithsonian where we made really sort of online educational illustrations, but in a comic book style. Uh, we got to hire, you know, native artist and, and things like that and that allowed me to develop my you know the ability to color because you know you just kind of get in there and do it and whatever is needed done so that's kind of how I got started and it's really been great I've met a lot of great people I've been able to establish a lot of really beautiful relationships with friends and 
people that I trust and professional people in the industry. Yeah, like Roy, I know my husband, he speaks very highly of you and your work, you know, and how working and collaborating with you that it was a, you know, really great collaboration. And I wonder if you might talk about uh, maybe the nature of collaborative work. Like I know that sometimes it's hard to kind of trust people to get together and, you know, create a large anthology or a large work. So I wonder like, um, as far as that goes, like, how do you see and how do you how do you handle and approach collaborative partnerships like that? You know, I think that's actually very interesting because I feel like in my professional life and my creative life, there is nothing but collaboration, right? And the dual sword, you know, the dual edge of that sword is that, you know, on the other side of things, it's like herding cats, you know, especially if you're the person that's managing the project or it's your book or whatever. But specifically, like when Roy and I finally got to work together, it was fantastic. It was for an anthology. Um, and again, I, I think the world of, of uh, Roy and, and his art, and I love I love how visceral it is. I love the color palette. And so that was kind of the joke is, you know, Dr. Francis and I were joking one day, you know, it'd be great to work with, you know, work with Roy. And we were like, oh, that's so dreamy. It would be great to work with Roy. So, but the collaborative process, that was fantastic. And it was for me, and specifically in the story we created together, he illustrated it and I created it. Uh, it was specifically about a native time traveler. So basically a Caddo guy, the Caddo version of Doctor Who, if you will. And I love that because I love Doctor Who and I'm a big fan, right? You know, years ago in the 80s, there was, there was a Time Spirits or something like that. And the guy was supposed to be native, but you didn't really know if he was or not. So I really wanted something that was identifiable, that was specifically a time traveler, to really feel sort of like a checkbox or, or tech box or a niche of something of, of like, hey, this is what the native version of this. And, and Roy was even able to, you know, with his permission, I'm like, hey, you know, I know you've done a lot of Sequoia illustrations. I'd like this Caddo time traveler to accidentally meet Sequoia. And he loved the idea. At least he said he did, you know. And so we got to draw it. And we, I got to see it live. And it was fantastic. So we married sort of those elements of, of the, in, the inner winks that we have as cultures of groups, specifically from Caddo. We used a lot of our stories in that. And also seeing it how it might have happened if, if those two cultures have met. And they probably did, right? Uh, but specifically, if this time traveler met Sequoia, like, what would it be like? And in addition, as far as the collaborative process, I'll talk about he and I were really able to go, oh, that's really cool. I like that idea. Or Roy would say, hey, can you give me more of an idea of the iconography or the the emblematic portions of what maybe will represent Caddo look and feel? And I was like, yeah. And I pointed him some local artists like uh, Chase Earls and others that are doing um, really great pottery work and design work and, and things like that. And it was funny, he came back, and again, going back to the collaboration part, he's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of eastern woodland, you know, like, look and feel. Like, I, it's, it's different, but I go, oh, I identify that part. That feels the same, you know. And that alone was fantastic. So, again, the other side, and that's a great story, right? But the other thing with collaboration, as you know, is that sometimes it's difficult. If you think of the project, you know, there's this stereotype of, you know, end in time, you know, that kind of thing. If you mix that with the stereotype of the flighty artist, then timelines start slipping and things like that. These are stereotypes that are not true normally, but sometimes the stereotypes are based on you know idiosyncratic behavior, right? And so you have to watch out for it. So as you go into a project, I always tell people, make sure you understand, make sure you have plenty of padding in the project as far as time, because we all have, we're all human and we all have to get through it. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that advice. And speaking of that collaborative, like I remember whenever he was drawing it and it was super exciting and he was super stoked about it. He did love the idea. Um, I wondered if, do you have any favorite characters that stand out to you over the years of your work that you've worked on that just, that you, that you love? 
I don't think I, we have enough time to talk about all of them. But, you know, what immediate comes, immediately comes to mind is someone I already mentioned, which is Aragon Star. I really love, not only as a strong female indigenous person, that she's out there and she's doing fill-in-the-blank. She's doing music. She's doing acting. She's doing writing. But she has, as far as I understand, has basically self-taught her, her art. She has self-taught her aesthetic. And her execution is fantastic. And, and in fact, we, you know... Roy was just talking about the lettering. You know, she's redoing the lettering. So I love that she created a very intelligent, humorous character because I feel like that's what's missing in not all, but many, many, the majority of Native characters is the, the humanity and that fundamental humor that we all have. Specifically me, I'm more funny than anybody. So. Uh, no, you know, so some of the Smithsonian work we did uh, was with uh, my company, Alternative Media. So you can check us out at anm.llc or alter-media.com. Um, but I don't really necessarily want to plug that. What I really want to do is, is talk about the importance of, of events like this, Indigenous Comic-Con or the Indigenous pop culture experience. And so really, I think it's important that we as a group of people keep coming together, we keep celebrating each other. We keep lifting each other up and going, hey, this is what we need from all media, including pop culture and including comics, which is I, I, I focus on a lot. But we need this celebration and we need this really tapestry of supportive artistry. We need this foundational support for each other. Because if we don't, then what we have is what we've had up till now is like erroneous sort of misrepresentation, um, you know, half sure characters and stuff. So... These sort of events really allow us to have that fundamental collaboration, as you said, right? And I think it's very important we continue these. Hello, this is Candice with Real Indigenous Podcast. I'm sitting here today with Jessica Harjo, business name Weompe, and she is a Native American fashion designer, Osage, Wajaji fashion designer. And Jessica, I wanted to ask you, like, so here at Indigipop X, how do you feel, how do you, like, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your designs. I want to ask you, like, your designs are obviously inspired by our culture. And I wanted to ask you, like, how do you choose and how are you, how do you choose your designs and how do you get them to be so aesthetically pleasing? Um, I think I learned a lot through my education and going to school and grad school and PhD in design, just like really thinking about and learning about like the theory behind colors and shapes and forms and you know how they occupy space and then like translating that to wearable art and um, you know even little stickers or stuff like that you learn a lot about just like form and concepts through that like training you know quotation mark training and feedback off of other people that are your peers and will give you honest feedback and my style, I really love doing really detailed designs that can be translated and uh, resonate with a variety of tribes, not only Osage or Oto and Pawnee and Sac and Fox, which are my tribes. But that is the, the base in what I design from. You know, I really love playing with colors and different color palettes uh, and especially just like line work throughout it all. And so I... I do test little things here and there, and if there's good response, then I'll you know, produce some more and uh, just continue to explore and expand really kind of contemporary geometrics and florals. And I know that you've got like quite a few fashion shows and style shows under your belt now, and that's gotta be super exciting. Like, do you have something that's upcoming that you are super excited about or something that stands out? And what have you learned as an artist from those? Yeah, so fashion has kind of 
came across this opportunity about a year and a half ago. I wasn't looking for it. Uh, I was asked to do put some t-shirts into a fashion show. Ended up doing more than that. Obviously did jewelry and uh, skirts and uh, sewing stuff and stuff like that and hiring people to help me sew. And So I've been doing a couple of fashion shows. My upcoming one is called uh, Cultural Shock, Culture Shock uh, Music Festival and Fashion Show, which is going to be in Rapid City. South Dakota on April 15th. I'm excited about that because that's the first fashion show that I've done out of state of Oklahoma. And so it's really exciting to be part of like the kind of like nationwide exposure and recognition. Um, and then I've been asked to do the New York Fashion Week in um, September, which is September 9th. And so I'll be going there with um, the International Indigenous Fashion Week. And um, I think that's going to be held at the New Yorker Hotel. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. I think I'm going to be doing a lot of kind of infusing jewelry into clothing for that one. So like really one of a kind pieces. And because I'll have the whole summer to create. Uh, a lot of these shows, they ask me, you know, I only have like a couple weeks to do. And I just kind of have an inventory of stuff and I'll show and I'll be working on a collection and be able to, you know, print some stuff and and show it but this gives me a little bit more time being at september is like six months from now you know to really kind of focus on pieces and take my time to design them so i'm excited about that yeah well i'm definitely going to be keeping up with your socials Mm -hmm. and watching for that and i wanted to ask you a little fangirl moment Mm -hmm. too i was like i freaked out so much when i saw one of your designs on janish meeting for reservation dogs and i wanted to ask you one how did that come about and two how did that feel (laughs) it was really cool to see it on screen you know i always get asked like or i guess complimented that um to include all sizes of of people and obviously uh, jana is a plus size a model, an actress, and she's proud of it, whatever. And so that was really cool to see that. She she actually chose that shirt from the fam store here. So, um, so Kristen Gentry, the store assistant outgoing manager, she was able to show her like some different options from their store, and uh, Jana was able to pick her favorite. And so that's, she picked it from the, the stock. So I'm glad, you know, thankful for fam for carrying some of my stuff and like having that opportunity, which, you know, made it to the screen which is great yeah like it was a is a big deal <laughs> yeah and i'm so i'm so happy that that happened and uh i hope that i hope that more of your stuff gets gets picked and shown on screen like that yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. well we wish you luck and i hope that you um do you have any parting words any parting wisdom for any of the goers here at uh, indigipop maybe they're experiencing an indigenous uh, Comic-Con for the first time. Yeah, well, I really love the variety of just like indigenous. I think is the, the term nowadays. And uh, I created glow-in-the-dark t-shirts just because I'm, you know, always expanding the creative outlets and using different inks. And so I have a new print here for that. And um, I think a lot of people have like featured items in all their booths. And I haven't been able to go around and look at everything, but I know for sure some the, the people that can buy have like special items for this. And so I think it's a really awesome opportunity to focus on work that relates to the theme of the conference or the conference the the con and uh, showcase all of our creative indigenous people 
Excellent. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you. Thank you for chatting with us today.